Hello, I'm Tony. And I'm Rob. And this is Flicks Worth Watching. Where we watch flicks. And let you know. If they're worth watching. We kind of missed some podcasts uh, before. We had some family stuff going on. So yes, we did. We apologize for that. Mm-hmm. Rob's grandfather had passed. My and, gra- yeah, my, my and, grandpappy passed. And uh, I would like, you know, if you want to, we would like to immortalize him in the podcasting world. And <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of half serious. Like, you yeah. know, you can talk about your granddad if yeah. you like to. If you don't want to, you don't have to say nothing, you know. Just, no, I mean, he, he was he like was, a cool guy. So. You no, know, he, he was definitely a cool guy. He uh, was 97 years old. Mm. Uh, was my only grandfather. My father's parents passed away before I was born. And mm. so my mom's parents were my grandparents yeah. throughout my whole life. My brother and I went to their house every summer. They watched us during the week. So I didn't go to daycare or anything like that, like over summer break. I went to their house. Very similar to me. Yeah. yeah. And just hung out there every day. They would watch us because they were retired and mm-hmm. stuff. He uh, he fought in World War Two. Crazy. Fought the Nazis. Crazy. He was a part of an anti-tank mine platoon. So the Germans would lay all these mines to stop our tanks mm-hmm. from rolling into towns and stuff. And so my grandfather and his unit would go and they would remove all of the stop. mines. Stop. Yeah. He said he survived that shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Go out there and find the bombs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and don't die. Yeah. Yeah. And um yeah. And so that was that was what he did over in Europe. And uh um and then he went on to become like an international salesman. For like a machine, no, I say like spy. No, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but you know, he 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 was he was everywhere, man. He was all over the world, and they would host families at their house for dinner. So like mm-hmm. non English speaking people, and then you know, business men from other countries would come and spend the night with my grandfather. My mom remembers seeing a little kid and like having to be prim and proper or whatever. But yeah, he was awesome. Very dope. Um, yeah, just the coolest grandpa you could hope for. Hell yeah, I miss him a lot. Yeah, that's like a cool guy. Yeah, he was cool. Now he's immortalized in podcast history. He's out yep. there. He's in the internet now. The funeral was nuts. It was a um, it was a military funeral, and so you know he had the flag on his coffin, and we mm-hmm. had the, the Marines respect. there, and they folded up the flag and gave it to my grandma, and the twenty one gun salute and all Dang. that shit, bro. And they they played taps, and I mean oh. it was it was the heaviest moment of yeah. my entire life. It was crazy. It well, was great. I'm gonna go out of order with this one. We're going. I'm pulling the whiskey out now. We're going to do a toast oh, okay. to Rob's grandfather. <laughs> so, I had a, I had a bottle. You want to bring yours out? I'm sorry. Well, I mean, it's it's up to you. We'll compare. I hate doing that, but I swear for reserve. Oh, okay, but it's the malt version. It's okay, hard, very hard. You know, you buy a distillery, so, so. yeah, yeah. With reserve malt, blue label. Okay. Oh, wait, oh no, that's the uh, that's the one. Will it? No, the will it. The will it. Put that away. <laughs> I'll put the whisper away and go with that Willet today. Okay. That's a bourbon to toast to your grandfather will. Let's get that out. Let's get All that right. popping. Here we go. Oh man, bottle's so fucking cool. It's so it's it's a very uh unique bottle. Let me ooh, nice. Like you're pouring some fucking potions in there. <laughs> bubble bubble doil in trouble. Yeah. For those who've never seen Willet, it does. It looks like a like an apothecary <laughs> bottle. That it's it's one of the most interesting. Oh, that sounded beautiful. Let me get that if I get it again. Let's get that sound. Oh, I'm such a fucking nerd. Yeah. <laughs> so, Toast, can we say his name? Yeah, Robert Rodak. Yeah, I'm I'm named after him. Ro- what? Yeah. Toast to Robert Rodak. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. That is fantabulous. Mm, that's good. I've never never had this before. It's good. Handmade by master craftsmen using time-honored methods in the art distilling. Handed down from the one generation to the next. Made from pure limestone spring water. No, it's not. Carefully selected grains and 
proprietary strains of yeast. Now, well, I said no, it's not. It probably is. The mash is probably using the limestone water, but when they proof this down, it ain't. I don't see them doing that. Be very expensive to do that. Aged in new white oak cast into a fully mature bottle by hand at the peak of perfection in taste and quality and aroma. Please enjoy in moderation. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No. In uh, <laughs> the same way it was made, slow and unhurried. Will it bourbon? Yeah, nice. All right, so we should probably talk about the movie we actually watched. Yeah, this week. here we go. All right, so this week we watched a movie called Asteroid City. Yes. It is a Wes Anderson film. All right, following a writer on his world famous fictional play about a grieving father who travels with his tech obsessed family to a small rural asteroid city to compete in a junior stargazing event only to have his worldview disrupted forever. There you go. It's very descriptive. Yeah. But also, I feel like Wes Anderson probably wrote that synopsis. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? I'm in control of the synopsis. I'm in control of everything. Well, Wes Anderson has done other films like ER2, uh, Life Aquatica, Life with Steve Zebo, Zizi Zizu, The French, <laughs> The Fantastic Mr. Fox, Isle of the Dogs, which was an interesting movie, uh, The Grand Budapest Hotel, there was a guy, Moonrise Kingdom. Everybody liked that movie. Yeah, I did not. Yeah, there was the the big Royal one. Royal Tannenbaum's was the the one that I that I saw first. So written by him, screenplays by him. Roman Coppola also helped write it. Mm-hmm. Is that a one of the Nicolas Cage Coppolas? Yeah. Well, because our leading actor Jason Schwartzman, mm-hmm. he's a Coppola. <gasps> he's fucking Coppolas everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out for the Coppolas. Yeah. Who else is a Coppola? So Nick Cage, and then the rest of them are like... Nicholas Coppola? Yeah, yeah. The rest of them are um, they cinematographers and directors and stuff like that. Jason Coppola? All these Coppolas out there. Mm-hmm. Running, running among us. Yep. Like aliens. Are you a Coppola, Robert? Mm-mm. You don't know. The last name Hunyadi doesn't seem like it'd be a white person last name, mm. which means you probably changed it from Coppola. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. Find out next time. <laughs> Is Rob a Coppola? Okay. <laughs> so, actors and actresses, this movie. Brian Cranston, this movie's fucking it's loaded. loaded with it's, people. A lot of Wes Anderson movies get star studded like mm. this. I don't know. I mean, it's just, he's one of those directors that people want to work with. I think because most actors start in this like, artistic form. Mm-hmm. So, it's good to kind of go back and, yeah. like, you know. Well, I mean, that's how Jason Schwartzman got his start, mm-hmm. was on uh, Rushmore. Mm. So, that was his big break. I guess they feel like if you can take a shitty story and... and oh, whoa. Oh. <laughs> that's that's known about him, him right? That's not, Everyone knows Wes Anderson is not known for his stories. That's a known thing. Is it not? I thought that was a known thing. I don't know. I don't know. His movies don't make sense. I thought that was a whole thing about it. I thought, yeah, that, was I mean, just, I thought that was just stick. If you can take something that means nothing and make it something, that's acting. That's the definition of acting. Mm. You can add it to the end if you like. Um, <laughs> so the host is Brian Cranston. Uh, Edward Norton plays Conrad Earp, or Connie, as they call him sometime in the movie. Jason Schwartzman, or Coppola, plays uh, Augustine Steinbeck. Jack Ryan plays Jason's son, Woodrow. Scarlett Johansson plays Midge Campbell. Give me a hug with that one. She is... Uh, it's hard to explain these, but she is like an actress. Grace Edwards plays Dina. She is a child at the uh, what's the fucking fair called in the movie? I forget what it's called. Junior Space Cadets, motherfuckers, something like that. Yeah. She she's um, Midge's daughter, Dina. Uh, Maya Hawk, Uma Thurman's and Ethan Hawk's daughter. June plays June. Ah, okay. You know that? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Well, now you know. No one's at the battle. Give me that. <laughs> Rupert Friend plays Montana. Jeffrey Wright plays General Gibson. Hope Davis plays Sandy Borge. Uh, Stephen Park. 
plays Roger Cho, Leave Sherber, <laughs> plays Leaf J- Shriver. Yeah, Leaf Shriver plays JJ Kellogg. Aristu Mihan plays Clifford. Josh Ethan Lee plays Ricky. Tom Hanks plays Stanley Zack. I'll keep trying to scroll down a bit. Uh, let's see, Matt Dillon plays the mechanic. Celia Bermejo plays a chaperone. Let's see who else is in the fucking way. William Defoe. William Defoe's in the movie as well. He plays, I don't think it's a name. Uh, he's Steve like- Carell plays the hotel manager. Yeah. Adrian Brody plays Schubert Green. I think that's it. William Defoe plays Salzburg Keats- Keatsel. Keatle? Margot Robbie's in this movie. Margot Robbie is in it as well. She plays the wife. And I think that's pretty much it. It could be it. So, opening scene. This movie's going to be fucking tough to explain. Yeah. So. First off, if you're worried about spoilers. Oh, shit. For this movie. Good then uh, put the podcast on pause and check the description. You'll see a time code where you can jump to to hear whether or not Tony and I think it's worth watching. You can also go to our YouTube channel. Yes, you can. And search for the review on this movie. Apparently, I don't know what we can do because I almost ruined everything for you guys. <laughs> and, uh, and then come back because we're going to go through the entire movie from beginning to end and talk about it. Yes. We are. Here we go. It's not for real. Here we are. All right, opening. There's a black and white uh, TV show broadcast explaining that we're going to go behind the scenes in the creative process of someone writing a play, and then we see the play being acted out as a movie. Mm-hmm. I think I got that right. Yes, you did. <laughs> it's confusing. Yeah. But there we are. But they use the black and white to signify the behind the scenes and color to signify we're in the movie world. But this is like another Wes Anderson thing. He's like known for like breaking the fourth wall in his movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is just basically he f- flipped it and we are breaking the fourth wall the other way. Instead of the movie being the movie and then the characters in the movie looking at us breaking the fourth wall, he pulls a set apart out of nowhere. We're now behind the scenes and then we break into the movie it's like the reverse of his shit. Yeah. Well, the production is called Asteroid City. Brian Cranston is the host. Um, and he goes, it all starts with the ribbon. And we see Edward Norton's character, uh, Connie, Conrad, Earp, typing in the background, an old typewriter. Oh, man, how satisfying was that? I used to go type at the library. Because, mm-hmm. like, there's something about... Until you messed up a letter. There's something about that, though, where, like, what you put down on paper is, like, it has to be it. Like, you know, I feel like kids today want to go to that discipline. Yeah. To, to be on a typewriter and no once you type it it's, that's your fucking paper yeah that's it you need to be sure mm-hmm. so you have your note like i feel like it's, it's, it's a that's a good skill to have yeah you know instead of having this world where you can like oh i fucked up let me just delete that and paste that you know like it doesn't teach you anything but yeah. you know like fuck i spent x amount of hours and then i fucked up a letter a word every type the whole fucking page now yeah yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> get that white out this whole thing there and like can i do the one letter and yep. it's still noticeable and then you try, try to line it back up and shit oh god so you get it. yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> it's way over yeah. here it's on top Fuck. of your other letters and like then they got that. the cool ones that could that could scratch off the letter you get one of those no uh-uh. you could like delete it you could backspace it and like rub the letter off real quick. No. Oh yeah, it would like take off the, like the first little layer of paper. And oh, it, interesting. Yeah, and, it, and you could like re, like basically erase it and then start again. Yeah. You can do it so many times, but like if you mess with like a wrong letter or something like that, you gotta <laughs> typewriter. <laughs> Cranston's character, the host, goes like, "Well, there's a little amusement of watching a man type. Let's fast forward to the months of stress, editing, drinking. You know, like all this shit. Basically, yeah. saying making a movie's fucking tough and it's stressful as fuck. Right." Conrad starts to read his script and set the scene by basically going through it, introducing all the people playing the characters in the in the play. And then he sets the environment. So the play is in September, September 1955. Act two is the next day, and act three is a week later, which I don't think actually played that way. I So I wasn't paying attention to it as I watched it to see if that's true or not. Yeah. 
I thought I saw many knights. Yeah. More knights than I should have mm-hmm. seen but mm-hmm. it, in Act 2. But who yeah. knows? So the, then the, the play starts. We see like an old school train kind of running through this town. It's going to Asteroid City. Uh, I love that he uses like a mixture of like miniatures and like mm-hmm. stop motion with yeah. like live stuff. Yeah. His movies always look fucking cool. Mm-hmm. I love the way he does like all these symmetrical scenes and the way he enhances the balance. It's, it's like it's the, the what the meticulous nature that he sets up his shots is I can't even really put it into words. Mm-hmm. It's unlike anything else. When you're making a movie, you're obsessed over what's in the frame. Of course you mm-hmm. are, you know, but every conceivable detail in the frame is there on purpose yeah. in a Wes Anderson. There's not a single shot that is like, eh, was that supposed to be the, no, you know, everything in the frame is exactly the way he wants it mm-hmm. for every single shot. And, and that is something that you, you can't appreciate until you see one of his movies. Yeah. Whether that's, it's your taste or not, it is a unique experience. Once you know about it, right. You yeah. start looking for it, like, holy shit, he's pulling it off. And when, like when things aren't, there's no balance in the scene. Mm-hmm. He'll have the characters move, like act out something, right. And then put balance back into the scene. Yeah. Like it's just very cool to like, if you're paying attention, like watch it. But yeah, he has like these long pans, of, like the whole town, basically uh-huh. give you the whole town. Yeah. He does it throughout the movie. These like long pans, long shots, but maybe in like the actors mm-hmm. memorizing these fucking lines, especially uh, with Homeboy's character, General. He had like when he's doing his speech, I'm yeah, like, Jesus, bro, you remember all that shit? Because yeah. there's a the first part I'm getting ahead too early, yeah. We see the cafe, we see you know this big crater, so we find out why it's called Asteroid City, and we, we said, We actually, this actual asteroid is small as shit, <laughs> yeah, jeez, like, yeah, after causing much damage. So act one, Augie arrives with his family. He's got his son, uh, Woodrow, and his three daughters. They have really crazy names that we don't mm-hmm. really care about. Their car's being towed. Uh, it's a real funny scene where he, like, the gas station guy fills his lighter with gasoline. And he, like, lights next to the fucking fuel pump. Yeah. I'm like, all this shit. It's like, what the fuck? They go to this cafe. Uh, they feel the ground shake in the background. We see a mushroom cloud. So they're in an area where they're testing off an atom bomb test, they yeah. say. So this is like a super desert yeah. town. Hardly anybody there, and it's very... I mean, it adds to the vibe of the movie, right? Mm -hmm. That it's this town out in the middle of nowhere. But I wonder if it also made it easier for him to construct set-wise. You know what I mean? Because it's just, like, nothing out there. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, nothing in the distance. Yeah. So the mechanic tries to fix uh, Augie's car. He goes, it could be one of two things. One thing could blow the car up. The other thing, it'll work just fine. Puts his part in the car, starts the car, and this like object falls out of the fucking car. He's like, oh, I guess we found out a third thing it could be. And the car doesn't work. Yeah. So they're stuck there for a while. They're, they're going there to, for that, some junior space cadets conference, thing, yeah, right? For his son. His son, Wood, Woodrow, is like super fucking smart. Mm-hmm. And they're going for this, con- con- this uh, conference. And... Uh, Augie was planning on dropping Woodrow off at the conference and then going to meet his father or yeah, his father-in-law mm-hmm. with his three girls. But I think they were stuck there, so he calls his father-in-law and uh, who's Tom Hanks? He was Tom Hanks. Yeah, uh, what's his name? Stanley. Stanley. We're not there. You're not here. And uh, he goes, you know, where are my grandchildren at? He goes, they're here. Can you come pick them up? Stanley goes, okay. And he goes, you tell him yet? And he goes, no, I haven't yet. I haven't had the the time for it. And he's like, it's never a good time. Yeah. Ever in anything. Yeah. <laughs> so and so I, I was thinking at this point, okay, uh divorce. Like mm-hmm. him and him and the mom didn't work out. And so they're, you know, separated and, and he's talking to his rich father. Yeah. You gotta tell him. So I knew it was his father in law because I look at the names of the characters to kind of put them in the in the notes. Uh okay. They didn't share the same last name. So uh-huh. I was like, Oh, this must be his wife's father. Uh, okay. Uh Greyhound bus shows up and we get a, a, a you know, another 
set of characters come here. We get mm-hmm. Midge gets dropped off. We get like more space cadet students. Then Augie tells his kids, yo, hey, by the way, your mother's dead. Uh, she died three weeks ago. <laughs> and he's like, what? Oh, my God. And he's like, so, yeah, you know, she's dead. And you're going to stay with your grandfather. And uh, this thing of Tupperware I'm carrying around is your mom. He's like, oh, we got it cremated. Yeah. So interesting. We go back to the narrator now in the black and white. Uh, and there, there's a line that the, the grandfather character said that actually remind me of my grandfather. Mm-hmm. I'll be there when I get there. And he hangs up. Yeah. My grandfather used to say all that kind of shit all the time. Like <laughs> if we were ever lost, you know, we're kids. Grandpa, you know where you're going? He's like, I know exactly where we are. We're right here. And we're going this way. <laughs> <laughs> Like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be there when we get there. (laughs) Yeah, never explains the inspiration for Augie's like kind of character came up. And we see the playwright Conrad meet Augie out out of the movie. Right. As his like real self. Right. So all of these so it's it's very strange, but the the movie that we're watching that's in color, we cut to the black and white, and now we're introduced to the the writer and Augie, mm. who is now the real life version of the character he's playing in yeah. the movie that yeah. we're watching. It's strange. And he comes out because he's basically trying to figure out how to progress this part of the scene. Who's Augie character going to be? So Augie goes. The uh, real Augie goes back in like the bathroom, puts on a beard, mustache, comes out, does his line, and he goes, "Oh my God, you're Augie." Mm-hmm. And they make out. Yes, and that's the scene. Back to Act One. Back in the movie now, or the play, I should say. Uh, the family's having ice cream at the at the little cafe where Steve Carell's character works. Um, Midge Campbell is now there sitting at the di- uh, the cafe with her daughter, Dina. Uh, and Augie just randomly looks over and takes a photo of her. So apparently she's famous. Mm-hmm. And uh, Midge is like, what did you do? Why did you take a photo of me? And he's like, because I wanted to. And then they argue over about it. And then she goes like, well, I need, I need to approve it. I need to approve it. <laughs> so he goes, okay. <laughs> That's the scene. <laughs> so now, now it's Asteroid Day, which is a three-day celebration. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, it was pretty funny. Uh, 1955 is the year, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Asteroid day for three days. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small town. What do they got? Yeah. You know, general and government's there because they got this program because they're doing all these like bomb tests and crap like that and other other science you know, science experiments. So it's asteroid day. Everyone in town listens to uh, the general Gibson give his speech. He basically tells his life story in quick chapters. Chapter one. <laughs> And every time he goes a new chapter, he moves. So like chapter two, he moves up to the front, grabs another microphone. <laughs> and then chapter three, he moves like to his right a few times and vice versa. And I thought like, oh, this, this pan's kind of cool. And the fact it's one shot mm-hmm. and he's reciting all these lines is fucking impressive. It's impressive. Yeah. Like how he's, he's, how he's, he's a great actor. Yeah. How does he fuck this up? Because chapter one, he went through fast. Mm-hmm. Chapter two. And then he went like it started like getting slower. I was like, Jesus. And he's hitting like. Yeah. Hitting these, these hitting these cues, these spots, uh-huh. like, you know, while moving and like, think I don't about, know. Think about the day that that took to shoot. You know what I mean? Like, how many times do you have to run that? Right? Because it wasn't perfect. No way it's perfect the first time. No. And it's, that's the cool thing about cinema is we're seeing the final product, right? But you don't understand how, like, behind him, there are, you know, there's, there's the cameraman and then the camera assists. And the and the boom mm-hmm. operator following him yep, around yep. to hit all the marks and the lighting guys and making sure they're adjusting the lighting at and it's all got to happen at the same time. Yeah, and, and, and he and, can and, he can ice no one. He can't look at anybody. Right. Yeah. Somebody might move in front of him. He can't fall with his eyes. No, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, all that stuff. And then you yeah. got characters in the background. They got to hit their spots. They won't get to run up real quick. Put the mic up before he got there. Right. It's like I was like, man, this is yeah. How many times did they do that? Yeah. 
tells his life story, and then he starts giving scout badges to a lot of the kids that are there. You get this scout badge, you get this scout badge. All the I call them the teens mm-hmm. got all their little scout badges, sure. right? They end up going to this like one building where like there's like uh, what's the scientist's name? I, I didn't find her on the damn uh, notes. It's that's uh, Tilda Swinton, right? I think so. What's her name? I don't remember. I don't know. I'll call her scientist. Scientist lady. <laughs> scientist lady. <laughs> scientist number one. Yeah. It's like her little lab. There's like this, um, this like clock almost with yeah. like dots on it. It reminded me of the Predators. Yes. Thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those symbols. Yeah. Because they're not, they're not numbers. You, they're just like different symbols. It's like, I want to say it's like about six rows. Yeah. Like not uh six dots yeah two rows of three and each like row is kind of lighting up differently mm-hmm. each section and like he's like oh what is that she goes we don't know <laughs> it just lights up and it's from space Woodrow asks, he's like well it's an astrological date and he's like what the fuck yeah she's <laughs> like we didn't think of that before did we yeah. and then that's it yeah so everyone's now uh having lunch outside at like some little restaurant. People are sitting together. We get like some more just pans of people's different conversations. Augie and Midge are close sitting together talking again. If you notice that the movie, I don't know if he's here or not, there's a guy in glasses and a hat always sneaking around mm-hmm. behind the scenes looking at people listening to their conversations. <laughs> <laughs> so Woodrow, he's with the teens and he's sitting by himself. Doesn't feel like he fits in. And uh, the one Cho asked him to come sit with them and he like just comes off and goes, hey, my mother died. And they go, oh, when? He's like, well, today. I found out today. <laughs> so they're all sad. And there's a kid behind them. What is his name? Uh, Clifford. And he's like, hey, guys, dare me to jump off this roof. And they're like, like what? Yeah, dare me. They go, okay, I remember but- that shit when we were kids. Yeah. You so- remember that? Like certain kids were like, dare me. Yeah, dare me to do this. So they dare him. He jumps off the roof and just kind of whatever. He, you know, <laughs> does it. <laughs> we go back to black and white narrator time. So back in the, the second wall, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. The, yeah. the viewer is a person watching a TV program. Yeah. Right. And then Brian Cranston is in that program telling us things. Yes. And then he takes us into the play. Right. But also into the behind the scenes. Right. So Brian's also outside of this scene wall and also farther like it's it's. it's yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. A lot of walls. Mm-hmm. We meet the actress Kim. I think his name who plays Midge. There might a- be four walls. <laughs> Honestly, Kim's on a train and then the under understudy who is uh, Woodrow's character chases the train down in a very funny way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he hops on the train. He's supposed to read her some notes based off her mood. She has to read two of them. Just give me both the notes. So she reads both and out loud. Then he goes, well, he said, if you were going to be this way to read this note here. So he reads the note, basically telling her to do the play and convinces her to come act in the play. The note is from Conrad. It was interesting. She's reading one of the notes. And I could be wrong, but it was sideways. Oh, I didn't notice that. Because you could see through the paper uh, and okay. the lines were vertical. Ah, uh, okay. Instead of for, so I'm like, the note's sideways. Mm. It's like either the lines in the page, like actual, like, you know, college rule lines. Yeah. And, or they just wrote vertical, which either way is not like likely. So it's, right. it's probably just sideways. She never fixed it. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I, I just happened to be able to see through it. And I was like, yeah, those lines are vertical. So now we go back to the place that movie. Uh, the townspeople are kind of talking about all their experiments. And then the guys, again, in the background, there's a random guy just eavesdropping in the background. <laughs> uh, the teens, they're playing some memory game where they're basically displaying their memories. So mm-hmm. each teen has to go around. They say, is it a scientist or an actor? It's just a random person. They say a name. The and name. The, and yeah. the next team has to say, uh, you know, the name the team before them said. They say a new name, then so on and so on. It's like yeah, they memorize all the it's names. It's the picnic game. I went to a picnic and I brought an apple. And then mm-hmm. the next person says, I brought an apple and a mm-hmm. baguette. And, you know, you go round and round and round. But yeah. this is like the extra smart version of it. We've because seen. it's just random names. Then they start arguing about the names. Yeah. And what which ones and they start throwing the argument clarifications into the name mm-hmm. and then it gets way more complicated. Yeah. 
Midgen argues like hotel rooms are next to each other and they like can see throughout each other's window and kind of like sit in the windows and talk to each other. They're like little cabins basically. And mm. so their cabins are lined up and the yeah. windows face each other. So Midge is like getting out of the shower. She's in her towel. She's practicing her lines. And then Augie opens his window and sees her in her towel and does what any man would do and just gets the window over the stairs. <laughs> makes, makes her really feel comfortable about it. He then shows her the photo he took of her and she goes, approved. <laughs> so... And then she's like, hey, she keeps practicing her lines. She's like, well, I'm supposed to go in the shower and do this. She's like uh, talking about her lines. And she's like, I have a I have a nude scene. Do you want to see it? He doesn't answer because his brain is fried. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's asked him if she wants, if he wants to see her nude scene. And, and, and she's like, well, and he's like, did, uh, yes. Did I say yes? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> she's like, no, you didn't say anything. He's like, oh, I, I meant to. I meant to say yes. I meant to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, she's she's doing her scene and then like her towel drops and you see like it's like blurred nudity in this mirror. Mm-hmm. And he makes this comment, he's like, ah, oh, you should just use a body body double for that. Implying that it wasn't her body. Yeah, there there's I don't believe that that was Scarlet. Neither do Scarlet, I. Scarlet, yeah, her body. Because they the like body. you can't see her head. Yes. You know what I mean? They specifically mask the face. Yeah. And then he makes that comment like yeah. she's body double for that scene. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. You guys would be surprised on how often they use body doubles for scenes in movies. And they'll just composite the actor's face oh, yeah. on the body double. Mm-hmm. Because it's just not in their contract to do nudity. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't care if, if they fake it. You know, it's, it's fine. They know it's not them. Yeah. You got nude and so like, oh, it wasn't me. Game of Thrones was famous for that. Like, a lot of the nude scenes in that are not the actual actors in it. <laughs> People online are like, no! <laughs> I mean, you can look up. with Some of them are, but some of them aren't. So we see some vending machines and uh, Steve Carell's character basically tells like people they can like buy real estate <laughs> through them. Oh, it's mm-hmm. just a small plot of land for three quarters and so and so. It's basically an investment, and you can get you get your land back later on. And I'm like, this is different. Yes. <laughs> then Grandpa shows up, Stanley, and the daughters are kind of around this Tupperware the bottle, having a little witch seance. <laughs> They're trying to bring Mom back to life. Yeah, got witch hats on. He basically tells them like, hey, you know, listen, we're gonna bury these. He's like, is this your mom in this Tupperware? <laughs> He's like, listen, I don't want your mommy buried. Here we'll bury her here not to today, and then when I take you back, we'll, we'll earth her, and then we'll bury her somewhere else, right? So the girls agree. It's night one of asteroid day now. Like looking through the stars through uh, these like boxes, mm-hmm. and she's like, "You'll see three dots inside if you don't look directly at the dots, or they'll burn to your retinas." Like I had, so they put these boxes in their hands. They're looking at the stars through three dots, and then like a fourth green dot appears. And this reminded me of like Star Trek because it reminded me of the four lights scene i don't i don't know that Picard gets captured by i believe it's the romulans and they're trying to break his fucking mind they're torturing him and basically trying to make him believe there are so many lights are there four lights and they want him to say there's only three or something like that right mm. i haven't seen this episode in a long time so if i'm butchering a trekkies i forgive me but they keep like torturing him how many lights do you see? Four lights. And they're trying to like, how can they keep, they're beating him up, you know, torturing him more and more. Just goes the whole fucking episode. And he finally gets free and he turns to fucking, the guy torturing him and he used to yell, there are, there are four lights. And walks off in like defiance, right? Like I didn't fucking break. Yeah. And he's talking to fucking Riker and he said like, I saw the light. I saw three lights. I knew there were four. Or something like that, but I, I kept I, after the, all the I, I saw what they wanted me to see. Yeah, eventually I saw three lights. Yeah, but I knew that that was yeah. wrong. Oh boy, it was a clip episode. Yeah, yeah. And I'm probably again I probably butchered the ending, but either way, I thought it was like I was like, yeah, fuck, Star Trek is so dope. 
It could have been a, a throw to it as well. So the green dot, they take off their boxes, and they're all just glowing green now. Mm-hmm. And then we see a spaceship coming down, a little miniature spaceship coming down. And an alien gets out, aka Jeff Goldblum. And it's and it's uh, like claymation here. Stop yeah, motion. a little stop motion yeah, yeah, going which on. Wes Anderson is, is known for now. Mm-hmm. You know, he's done several movies that were stop motion. Yeah, Isle of Dogs, Mr. Fox. Yeah. yeah. And um, I wasn't crazy about it. It just didn't feel right for mm-hmm. me. The way that, like, because there was also, like, a few other random bits of stop motion in this movie that felt okay. Yeah. But it's also a really goofy-looking alien, too. Yeah, it is. And so it looks cartoony. But if it's a play, you think it would kind of be that way. Like, it's not meant to be a movie. It's a play production on, on a stage. Right. So it can't, like, it, it would be kind of, like, just kind of quirky like that. But we're seeing we're seeing a movie, though. Like, I liked the transition where we do see Jeff Goldblum playing it later. Mm where he's got the costume on. We're supposed to envision that it's a play, but it's clearly not a play. It's it's a movie. Mm-hmm. But I think it's why he shoots the way he does with these pans, right? Because it's a play. Because it could be... It's a set. Yeah. And could, we're not going, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why, like, we don't... Like, they're talking in the, in their rooms. Mm-hmm. We don't ever really go... In, we don't go inside the room. Right. We don't get to see the room from inside. It's just... Yeah. On a play set, you can't, you can't get that far right. with the camera, right? Like, yeah. so we only, only can see him sitting in his window and see the background. And if you were going to... If you were going to construct construct it like an actual play that you would go and see those are the set pieces exactly you'd have. yeah you'd have those two walls mm-hmm. basically with windows with the characters talking out of yeah. them, so that way the audience can see them talking to each other yeah yeah but i could say about the alien it didn't, yeah. it didn't look, look, look great it, it, no it was it was weird for me yeah it was weird yeah so it comes down it takes the asteroid <laughs> everybody's just like wide-eyed they don't yeah. know what to do and he rides down on this little telescope thing yeah. and it goes all the way down and he's just sort of like real timid mm. and like reaches down for the asteroid and, and plucks it up and he gets back on the thing like everybody's quiet he goes ah. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes back up well and then and before he does that Augie pulls out his camera it snaps and snaps a, but it was funny because the alien like is going to leave and sees the camera come out and then he like comes back down and poses with the asteroid yeah, yeah. Like, like he understands what's going on <laughs> And lets Augie take the photo, and then he gets on the thing and goes back to the ship. And, and they leave, yeah. And the ship leaves. So we get an intermission time. <laughs> so we have to have it through the movie at this point. The uh, narrator comes back, uh, and we get a little background story of the a director, or director of the play, uh, Adrian Brody's character. And this is the first time we've met Adrian Brody's character, right? Correct. Okay. Schubert. Schubert, yes. We found out he's the nice. director yeah. of the play. And we also see him making the ship, the alien ship that was just we just used. Mm-hmm. We get to Act 2. Well, and he's saying Act 2, we didn't mention this, but there are oh, yeah. slides that come up every so often that says Act 1, scenes 3 through 5 mm-hmm. or whatever. And so now it's intermission and mm-hmm. Act Yeah, now two. we're in Act 2. Yeah. So the general now, he starts reading this letter from the president basically saying hey you guys are under arrest or in quarantine you can't leave there's 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 troops everywhere now <laughs> yeah, like yeah. there's the, the 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 set has changed yeah yeah so just like, like you would see in act in act two of a play <laughs> yeah, yeah set has changed and is basically gonna stay here for a week while we conduct experiments and you know interrogation yada 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 so the government has to think of a cover story <laughs> there yeah interrogating people running tests to people in the city clifford the dare boy his dad is jj kellogg I believe, played by Leavish. Leavish. Yeah. Right by. So Clifford and his dad are like being tested together, and Clifford looks back. He's like, hey, dare me touch this button? He's like, what? He's like, you dare me to touch this button? He's like, no, don't touch the button. There's a little sign on the on the machine that says, yeah. do not press yeah. next to it. Then they pan, they, then they keep panning the other set, and then you hear, and then he just comes running through the cafe, and then his dad's chasing him. I'm like, hilarious. Yeah. 
But yeah, so the whole town is now speculating about the alien. Like, yeah. was it real? What happened? Why is it here? Woodrow and uh, Dina kind of hit it off a little bit. Start to, you know, start the relationship starts, starts to bud. Just like their parents. Yeah. And so Augie and Midge start to kind of talk at the, doing the whole uh, hotel room window sit again. They're talking. Midge kind of gives her a little life story about being a bad mom. She has more kids. She's not, not, not the best mom in the world. Stanley shows up at Midge's house kind of awkwardly. <laughs> and he's like, hey, my, uh, what do you say? His, 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 I used to know your agent. Your, yeah. Yeah. He's no, I used to be friends with your agent or something like that. Yeah. And, that was a weird introduction. Yeah. I'm just talking to her. And he, he sees through the window because now I forgot to mention the first time I talked to the window where she was in the bathrobe, uh, Augie, Augie took a photo of her. Yeah. And he had that photo hanging up now in his room. And she said she thought it was nice. But Stanley walks through the house and sees Midge and looks through the window through Augie's window and sees that photo hanging. And he's like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking like your, your daughter was married to this guy. She yeah. died less than a month ago. Yeah. You just cool with him, like it's, it's been three weeks, five, three weeks. Yeah. yeah, go ahead and get out there. I mean, I guess there's no time on morning, but you know, it's Scarlett Johansson. If your wife died, and three weeks later, Scarlett Johansson wanted to show me a nude scene, go ahead, Rob, talk about this. I'm not, I'm not gonna say a single word. Danger, danger. <laughs> so, uh, if your wife, how I'm long? Not saying a, I'm not saying anything. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, years of mourning, Tony. Years, <laughs> it would take years, years for Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> He's like Scott Johansson. I mean, like you know, I probably mourned for, for you know at least one to two hours. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, so. At this point, the father and the dare kid now are outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're and they're talking to who's the home, who's got, they're talking to one of the soldiers. Yeah. And they kind of have a heart to heart. The kid's like, "Hey, dare, dare me do this? Dare me do that? Mm-hmm. Dare me to do this? You want dare me do something?" And dad's like, "No. Why do you always ask me to do dares yeah. or ask to do dares?" And this part, this for me was the whole point of the movie because this movie is nonsensical. There's people living their lives, and this kid here, he goes, "I like this monologue here." Yeah, he basically talks about like, "Listen, man, like, because I want people to notice me when I do when I do something. I don't want to be forgotten." I want when I die. Yeah, I want this. This proves I exist. If you see me do these dares, it proves I exist. Because the first thing is, I don't know why I do it. I just want people to see me. You do it so I proves I exist. And when I die, I, I'm I get, I'm remembered. Yeah, that's fucking us. Yeah, that's, that's life. You yeah. don't you don't know why you do the things you do, why you care about people seeing you do it, or why like why would it social be alone? But you do it because you want to be forgotten. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you want you want your life to to have meant something. Yeah, yeah. At this point, I was like, that's the whole point of this movie. Mm-hmm. This is why it's like it's just. It makes no sense because it makes all the sense. <laughs> you mean like, yeah. So the narr- so they're doing some pan scenes, and then like uh, Midge and another lady are talking about like one of their movies and how you know no one liked it, but the lady did. And then as they pan, freaking the narrator's there in color, and he's like, oh, Brian, Brian Cranston's Brian character Cran- shows up. Oh, I'm not supposed to. Am, am I not in this? Because <laughs> yeah, they both look over him like, who are you? Yeah, yeah. And then he just like. Slides out Slinks of off a, off camera. Yeah. He's breaking the wall inside the, inside the wall. The wall in. he's like, yeah, yeah, like, like I figure <laughs> that out. That's just Wes Anderson having fun. Oh, yeah. With the medium, you know? So at this point, I kind of noticed like there wasn't much of a soundtrack in the movie. Like the, any music that's playing in the movie is like part of the scene in the background. Yes. It's not like just atmospheric music. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean there is a, there is some in there. There is some. It usually, for sure. it usually happened when they were in the TV program, mm-hmm. and if it when they were inside the movie, it was like an object, like radio or yeah. something like that, right? Mm-hmm. The teens, uh, if they figure out a way to like get a phone call out of town, Clifford goes to, like the guy guarding the phone because the phone's all locked. One of the guards goes, "Hey, I was on the phone yesterday. 
I didn't have three cents, so I short stiffed the operator. And I don't really want to do that. Could you just please put three cents in here to put these coins in there to kind of, you know, pay, pay for my phone call yesterday? So he puts the phone, he puts the three coins in there and then closes the door, which begins to make a phone call through the line. But the kids have hacked the phone line and now they like they're able to make a phone call to like uh, Chow's uh, like friends from school. Yeah. And he's like, hey, that's what I tell you. <laughs> I got, we, got a, we got a story. We got a story to tell you. The end of act two appears, appears on the screen. Yeah. Because now it's about to get out. Mm-hmm. So the narrator is uh, basically talking about Conrad having like his focus group. And he wants to make like a sleeping scene, mm-hmm. but stuff still happens with all the characters. And William Defoe's in there, and they basically just start like act, so act like you're asleep and dream or something like that. Yeah, it's this this part was crazy because this was like the furthest back flashback mm-hmm. in in the behind the scenes thing because it's Conrad. He's still in the process of writing the script for the the play that we're seeing the movie mm. of. And all of the people in this acting class are all the stars in the of movie. the movie. Yeah. And they're all just students at this point of this acting class. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they all kind of fake sleeping. Act three is now, and it's, it's, it's chaos in the city. It's like, a, it's like a fair now. People are all there. See the aliens. Mm-hmm. Uh, the word is out there. The, everyone now knows there's aliens here. So the story's been whatever. Even the photo that Augie took, Augie took of the alien ran in the st- story of the school paper or whatever. And yeah, so it's, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. But but they're all on the outside of the town because the military has still locked the town down. Mm. So there's like all these people that like want to see the alien and yeah. want to talk to everybody, but they can't because they're, you know, over there. June, Maya Hawk is like teaching these kids about like space and shit, you mm-hmm. know, the little cadets. And then like the band comes up and they start like singing this song about the alien, mm-hmm. you know, the dear alien. And I have it here. You get the point. When he said, Dear Ellie, he started singing out the I was like, Oh, art in heaven. I lost it. I was like, That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, we go back to Midge and Augie talking through their windows again. They're practicing a scene. We got Augie reading the script. And then just one more. She's like, he's like, uh, sit here. I throw stuff off the table. She's like, well, throw off the table. So he starts like fake throwing stuff off the table. Then he actually throws and breaks his light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everything normally goes back to what he's doing. Like, yeah. it's like, jeez. And then she goes, hey, by the way, uh, my, my daughter saw us last night in your room. He's like, what do you mean? Would she say anything? And she's like, oh, no, she's uh, good at keeping secrets. But she'll probably tell somebody about this. <laughs> <laughs> we now know that, like, they're screwing. They fucking, yeah, yeah. So, like, oh, shit. So as they're doing this scene, like, he starts cooking, like, some griddle shit. Like, stuff starts appearing. He starts cooking some, like, was it like, like toast on a griddle? I think it was, like, a grilled cheese sandwich or something. Yeah, he's, yeah. like, purposely burning his hand. Yeah. So why'd you do that? He goes, I don't know. And that's basically the scene. But mm-hmm. there's also a medicine... Uh, cap a medicine like uh, jar and with the cap off and there's pills on one side so like that's the balance right scarlet's in the center and you have the you know the pill jar on one side the pills spilled out on the window sill on the other side Mm -hmm. the cap keeps moving in the scene this is on purpose obviously i didn't notice that why is he doing this because i was like once once i started seeing the stuff 
in on her windowsill. I was like, I started paying attention to it more. I'm like, why is it there? Mm-hmm. That because I, I didn't even know it was gonna be putting there before. And I was like, okay. So I started watching it. The cap kind of moves in and out like around like this bottle. I'm like, yeah. Is it on purpose? Is it on purpose? Is it an accident? Is he fucking with you? Yeah. Like, haha, this happens in other movies. Yeah. That you normally see, but not in my movies. But I'm gonna put it in as a joke, as a wink wink, yeah. you know, and like that's the only place where it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. No idea, Wes. Yeah. No idea. That's the no idea. That's the the, the ode to this movie. It's the motto, <laughs> the the way <laughs> how you describe it. So it turns out the teens uh they took like the women's scientist equipment, um, scientist ladies' equipment to try to communicate with the aliens. <laughs> yeah, she uh, offers Wood- Woodruff to be like her protege. So we get another military speech at night, and he's like, "Hey, listen, you know, everybody can go home. We're good. It's all good now." Woodruff notices the, the astrological clock, and he's like, "Hey, it's today again. It's today again, yeah. right?" The spaceship shows back up, and then they, they like drop the asteroid down, and the general picks it up, he goes, they, they inventoried it. Mm-hmm. And then aliens start attacking the humans. There's chaos ensues. Ah! Firing guns and shit. And you see, like, alien shadows and the bricks moving around. And then Woodruff has this machine that can kind of, like, put, like, things on the, like, the moon. On the moon, yeah. Yeah, like, hologra- like holog- holog- holographic things on the moon. So he makes Somehow. the, like, basically, you know, Woodruff loves, uh, is his name Dina? Dina. Dina. Yeah. Like, on the moon, right? Then Augie's, like... What, what what the fuck's going on? What what is my why am I here? What what is, what is Augie's motivation? And like walks basically out the set into the background, and he turns black and white. So now Augie from the play movie is now behind, in the back of the scene during the movie as it's going on. Right. He walks behind stage. He talks to we see Jeff Goldblum playing the alien. Mm-hmm. He walks starts talking to Adrian Brody, the director. I don't understand the play. Why did he burn his hand? Yeah. I want to know like what was why why did he do that? Mm-hmm. What's the motivation there? Mm-hmm. What the fuck? I still don't understand the play. I don't get what why the why the fuck we're doing it. And this here to me is part two of what the movie's about. Yeah. First you got the first part right where like I want people to notice me, I want to be forgotten. And then why are we doing this? And he's like, and it doesn't matter. Just finish it. Just finish the story. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't matter why we're doing this or what's happening. Just finish the story. For a guy who makes movies that are nonsensical. Yeah. Like those are some pretty two two little deep connection messages, right? Where you get these uh-huh. two little monologues, like, all right, you know, like, yes, I want to be noticed, I want to be forgotten. And two, like yeah, it doesn't matter why we're doing this, why right. you why you're here. Like, and this is because they they also meddle with um the religion, right? So Augie says he's atheist, but the kids are raised Pescatarian. Pescapalian. Uh, Pescapalian. Uh and then so they like, but they got the daughters being like witches, Woodruff's more religious, and then you got the grandfather who's like whatever, right? And the whole it doesn't matter what we're like, why you're here, what you're doing, you know, just finish the story. Just yeah. live your fucking life. Cool little message, man. Like, stop worrying about all this other shit. Why you're doing what? And what this happened and it happened. Just fucking finish the story. Augie then meets the woman who's supposed to play his wife. He kind of walks out on like a, a balcony of some sort. Yeah, and like she's, a fire escape. Yeah, and she's like on the other side of the street, another balcony. He's like, hey, you're the person who played my wife and whatever, whatever. I think this part is just meant to be funny. But he goes, what happened? She goes, oh, we took the photo. and But they cut my scene out, so they didn't need me anymore. And what was the scene? And then she basically recites the whole scene, what it would have been. and How then, it was written, script form. Yeah. So it's got all of the, the stage direction and that kind of stuff and the lines that yeah. she says, too. So she goes to the whole thing and he goes, man, is that, that's a pretty good scene. Why they cut it? And she goes, oh, we didn't have time to do it. Yeah. Add it to the play. Which they did because they added it to the movie. Right. Which I think is a tongue-in-cheek joke. It's, a, it's definitely a tongue-in-cheek joke. And the scene, it was a very pivotal scene. That they cut out, mm-hmm. like it, 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 it added a lot to the story. It is Act Three, yeah. The the climax of Act Three, yeah. is we're we're outside of it. We're outside watching Augie talk about his motivation, why it's still happening on the play, right? 
I mean, it's a bit to the audience, right? Right. So as they're saying that, um, the mechanic comes in, he's like, he's like, hey, dude, like you need, you're needed. You're, back you're, you're already, you already missed your cue. Yeah. Like they've already done X, Y, Z. Like you need to go back there now. You yeah. know, like he's like, all right. So he leaves and goes back to his thing, right? Go, you go back to the narrator and he's like, hey, so what happened here is Conrad, uh, was hit by a car and died in a car crash. Never, never finished the script. And I was like, okay. So this explains like another note that I like when someone doesn't finish the book, HBO decides to make a story on their own. <laughs> And you, right get, where and you get a weird ending, you know. So this explains. Oh, we're, not, we're, about to, we're about to get a different ending than what was probably intended mm-hmm. to where it would have concluded. What the fuck this is about? Because right now, no one knows why what's happening. Why is this happening? And you'll never know because Homeboy died. So now we have to just make up an ending, mm-hmm. right? So kind of interesting. We're still in the black and white room. Yeah, back to, back we, with we, the we acting go, class. We go back to the acting class now, yeah. and they just who says it first? It might have been Augie's character. Yeah. I don't remember. One person goes, you, you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. Everyone starts saying it. Even even Jeff Goldblum is like, alien appears. You can't you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. Can't wake up if you don't fall asleep, right? That was kind of like, it was weird and scary. Kind of kind of getting the meaning behind it. Yeah. Like, right? Like, I'm just like, oh, you can't do this if you don't do the thing that comes before this. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, you can take it in any number of ways, right? But it's going back to that heart of finish the story. Yeah. In order to get there, you have to do this thing. Mm-hmm. So just do it, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, then we get the epilogue. The screen comes up. Epilogue time. We see the town fairs being taken down. All the stuff's being taken down. Stan tries to pray over the mother's remains. The girls want to move them. <laughs> so he gives in and decides to move the Tupperware. Uh, we're in the cafe and they're eating. Woodruff has got a scholarship. He's got a large check written out to him. They ask what he's going to do with the money. And he's like, you know, take out my girlfriend. <laughs> Midge leaves Augie her address via P.O. box. There's a big boom. Augie and his family get in the car and they leave. Mm-hmm. And they ride off to the sun, sunrise day set. Yes. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, that's, that's the, the movie. movie. That's the movie. Roll credits. Hi, Rob. All right, Tony. Is Asteroid City worth watching? I will say yes, with an asterisk. Okay. If you have never seen a Wes Anderson movie before, I think it's a yes. Several of his other movies are harder watches, Mm -hmm. but if you haven't seen one, you have to know this is an artsy film. Yeah. At the beginning. Wes, if you don't know who Wes Anderson is... He's a filmographer, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. like y- you have to know that going in. If you don't know that going in, you're not going to like this movie. Mm. I will say yes. If you like Wes Anderson or you haven't seen a Wes Anderson movie, I would say go ahead and watch it. OK, I will say no, it's not worth watching. And my asterisk will be what's same asterisk as Rob's <laughs> to watch it. So like like if I'm going to go about the whole thing as a package, it looks great. Right. Oh my gosh! Does it look it so? Looks, good. It looks so good. If you're if you're into cinema, yeah. this is another asterisk. Yeah. If you are into cinematography, which is the art of composing a shot and the color and everything like that, if you're into that, you should watch this movie just for that alone. Yeah, I think people when they like love his movies, it's not even because of. It's a weird thing where it's not even like it's not the full movie they're in love with, right? It's mm-hmm. like it's not. It's, it's not the style. It's a style it's of aesthetic. it. It's unusual, right? Yeah. But like, as far as like a complete package, I'm just like, if this wasn't for the podcast, mm-hmm. I'd have turned that shit off. How quickly would you have turned it off? 15 minutes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No joke. Like 10 minutes in, I would probably turn it off. I was expecting you to text me at some point and say, I, I can't do this. I knew you'd already watched it and I felt like you made a sacrifice. Yeah. And I was like, I got to do it too. Well, I hadn't seen a Wes Anderson movie in a while. I have seen a few of his other movies that I like. I like Isle of Dogs. But Isle of Dogs is alright. I never finished it. Even though it's no, like I don't like. I don't think it's worth watching. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, I think so. Like, you don't need to sit through an hour and 45 minutes. You can just literally read something about it and get the same feeling yeah. about it, right? Like, I just, the stuff was cool. And I guess that made what, what made the monologue stand out the most because it seemed like even the way they when he was giving the monologue and they were like, they were like zooming in on him, mm-hmm. it was out of character for the scene. But it's also mimicking a stage play. If you've seen stage plays, like that's sort of like is that spotlight that, on the character? That's yeah. sort of how they perform those those mm. parts, right? Mm. And so it's this super weird, weird thing where we're watching a movie, but the audience is seeing a stage play, but we're seeing like a cinematic, you know, version of that stage. The, the it's just this super bizarre thing. I I don't know. I don't, I mean I didn't. I just found I found myself trying to like just looking at the scenes. Yes, looking for the balance mm-hmm. he's seen, checking like yeah. and watching those things, looking looking around those, which is again cool to reason watching the movie. Yeah, like it's 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 Wes Anderson, like he has a super specific style and voice, yeah. and look. You know instantly that you're watching a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, for I mean for those people like oh the whole, shit no you don't understand it. It's not that's not that like the whole time I watched the movie I was like in awe mm-hmm. from the cinematography the yeah. whole fucking time. Yeah, but. But as a movie, I ain't watching that shit. I know that's part of the point too. It's just not. It's just not for me. And it's not my jam, which is why I'm saying kind of no to everybody else. Because like, if you like you said, if you don't know a Wes Anderson film, you just you just put on a fucking movie. Like you just got Peacock and oh yeah, that looks interesting. The trailer looks better than the movie. If you just like a nobody coming in to watch this film, you're gonna be like, I'm guaranteed, be like what the fuck? You could do the beautiful framing and cinematography and still have good performances Mm -hmm. and a good story to tell. I will agree there. The Mm -hmm. story here is just, it's it's not, it's a nothing story, which is again, part of his point is part of it. Yes. It's part of the point, but it's an artistic film. It's an artistic film. It's not your thing. Yeah. If you're not into art films, you're not going to like this movie. It's not, but artists do like it, which is why he's able to have the cast he's had. I mean, the movie probably cost some money to make, but I guarantee they did that. They did. They probably worked for very cheap price. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To be a part of Wes Anderson film and, and, go part of that process and yeah. feel like it feel, feel like fucking kids again. Right. Right. You get to act and you get everything to play. Yeah. And the camera's going to, we're going to stay on you for a long time with this camera. And you got to remember all these lines. You got to, you know, do this. Like you only get one take on this. Or you mm-hmm. got to, you know, whatever, like that's what they used to do, you yep. know? So you're kind of going back to that kind of style of stuff. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the, the few and yeah, true artists mm-hmm. in Who's cinema. popular. Yes. That yeah, can, yeah, that, yeah. that, that can make a movie in a high budget and do like have people at these, this this these actors that will that want to do it yeah more it's 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 more star studded than a marvel movie oh yeah like it's crazy the amount of people that are in this mm-hmm. thing yeah no it's wild but yeah it's just not a nice cup of tea but i really wish like he would let somebody else write a story well and, and that's my point and he, like, he, it, he it, was just, he was just dp i think i think, I think he would never do it he would he never wouldn't do it. but like he needs you can tell he is a control freak oh yeah you can just tell He's a writer director. It's gotta be exactly the way I want it every time. You imagine fucking coloring one of his movies. Oh my god, no! What did you score it? We we didn't say our scores. I gave it a four point five. Okay, I gave it a six out of ten. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's one of those. It's, it's very difficult because artistically, I think artistically it's fucking beautiful. It's, yeah, but I'm going through it like so. For me too, like how how I felt like I would have turned it off if I didn't know it was gonna be rewarded the whole movie visually. Yeah, yeah the face of the story, I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about this at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. IMDb gave it a 6.7. Okay. Rotten Tomatoes. Ass City. Ass City. Ass. I would see that movie. <laughs> 
All right, Rotten Tomatoes get this movie. Fans, 62%. Okay. And the critics, I mean, it is a critic movie, 75%. Yeah. So, which I kind of expected, you know. You don't want to shit on a director for doing something different and, and really well. You kind of want to encourage that kind of thing. If he's going to store in there. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the thing, though, is, like, you see so many movies that are carbon copies of other movies. Like, for example, Barbie that's out now. Mm-hmm. Is Black Panther? It's the same story. Oh yeah, of Black Panther. You just look it up. You'll find any video on YouTube. There's several of them out there now because there are so many movies that are carbon copies of other movies. It is sort of refreshing to see something that is totally original in this movie. The, it doesn't make it great, but I'm just saying it's refreshing. In the end, I guess watch it if you like artsy stuff. If you like artsy stuff, or you haven't seen a Wes Anderson movie, because you should see at least one. At least one. If you like movies. Yeah, yeah. if you're into movies. Yeah, yeah. If you're just a casual person, don't yeah, watch don't it. Don't invite <laughs> don't. six friends over there to sit the same way and watch this movie. No. You'll just what you'll turn it off. You'll just be upset. Yeah. But yeah. if you appreciate movies, yeah, I think yeah. you have to at least see one Wes Anderson movie. And why not this one? I agree. Yeah. Well, that's the podcast. That's it. Till next time, Rob. I love you, Tony. Love you too, brother. Tony, my co-host Robert is here. Robert, do your croc call. What? Your croc call. What is a croc call? So I was watching the World Cup. Uh-huh. Uh, England lost. So sad, sad. sad. Yeah. But, so because um, uh, soccer is sexist. No kidding. <laughs> Real talk, though. So it was really hard to watch the Women's World Cup. Very easy to watch the men's. Yeah. Women's World Cup. I tried to watch it on Fox. They had it blacked out. If I wasn't so-and-so, I had to get Fox Sports, which I didn't know Fox Sports package. All this bullshit. I had to have Peacock. Watching on Peacock. But they only had Spanish versions on there. I'm thinking it was not this difficult to watch the men play. Yeah. But the ratings are bad. Well, because we can't show it. It can't get anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, are the ratings bad because you can't see it? And so you don't have that big right? of a, like, It's not easy to market? watch it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I guess in the, in some someone's defense, the games were at like six in the morning. Oh okay, yeah, because yeah. they played in uh, New Zealand and Australia. Right. Yeah, but in Spanish, whoever does the announcing, that, that guy, mm-hmm. the breath he has, go. No joke. He does it forever. He does a two of them for every goal. I'm like Jesus. That's like, that's like the thing. Well, I mean, me, me, he can do the thing that like uh, Kenny saxophone guy hmm? g kenny g where he can yeah. breathe out and breathe in through his nose at the same time maybe maybe he can do that why is that thing in spanish football and like it's funny because like he'll, he'll be doing stuff with like other commentators and they'll be talking too he would kind of go okay okay oh so anyway that was funny jeff goldblum plays the alien Adrian Brody plays schubert green i guess the alien might be a spoiler it was a spoiler yeah i'll leave that out yeah uh our friend John is gay. Mm-hmm. Um, this is relevant to the story. Um, so we are picking soccer teams. So we're talking about the soccer teams. And then like, so me and Ben were the only soccer like lovers in this group. The goal is pick a team. And then uh, when our teams play each other, we hate you forever. That kind of thing, right? So okay. Adam picks my team, Watford, because he liked the logo. They were in the Premier League at that time. Mm. Ben is at Arsenal. Uh, 
Josh picked uh, the Tottenham Hotspurs. I'm Spurs. No. <laughs> oh, damn, that's my team. I, but he I, wants to I, switch, I'm, though. I'm Tottenham. He wants to switch. So okay. I think you can easily convince him to not be Tottenham. I am Tot- Tottenham's my team. It's been my team for a couple of years, for like four years now. Josh mentioned four or five like years. three days ago. He was okay. like, oh, I, want to, I just picked because so-and-so, so-and-so. Like, yeah. He's like, well, you got to pick a team, man. No, I love Tottenham. So John. Eric Guy. <laughs> John doesn't watch sports. And uh, really, and he was like, well, you know, I'll think about it. So it's a Man City. I don't know. They seem they, I like blue. Funny reason why that, that is the TV picked. He picked Man City. But he so <laughs> he hours go by and all of a sudden he just sends this text like, holy shit. Wait, there's a team called Man City. <laughs> he was like, where's this city at? <laughs> and how do I get there? <laughs> we fucking lost. That is the <laughs> Like, just, like everybody like yeah We're like oh shit he's like where's man city at <laughs> what directions i want to go immediately <laughs> <laughs> my bags are packed oh dude i laughed out loud i was like that, that is, is so funny and just yeah I, of course john yeah 100 <laughs> percent. You're, you're man city now yeah for sure asteroid city get your ass destroyed by <laughs> <laughs> In Man City. <laughs> oh. oh, I have to cut that out. Probably. <laughs>